0: This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. My guest is David Gergen, White House advisor to four presidents of two different parties, Nixon, Ford, Reagan, and Clinton. He's also a CNN senior political analyst, founder of the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard Kennedy School, and author of two books. His newest title is Hearts Touched with Fire how great leaders are made. David is Zooming with me today from his home in Cambridge, Massachusetts. David, welcome to Book Talk.
1: Thank you, Donna. It's good to be here.
0: What's the backstory on the title of your book? Good question.
1: I love the title. It comes from the the experiences of Oliver Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., who was born here in, in the Cambridge, Boston area. I grew up, his family was prominent in the community, This is the mid-19th century, and Abraham Lincoln was in the White House, and Lincoln issued his first call for volunteer, and Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. could easily have that call because his family was so prominent. That happened with many prominent families. Teddy Roosevelt's father, for example, ducked. He never went to the embarrassment of his son, but Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., Volunteer. He accepted the call. He answered the call, so to speak. And he was in the war itself, in Civil War. He was grievously wounded three times. The last time he was left on the battlefield for dead, he, he miraculously got through it. And twenty years later, he was reflecting in a speech at the memorial on Memorial Day on the experiences of his generation of people who had gone to war, talking of his generation who had gone to war. It was our great fortune to have lived in a time and a place of great passion. Our hearts were touched by fire, and that's the quote that I give: "The hearts touched by fire, and the the excitement, the fulfillment that often comes to people who are in service to others." How did you organize this book? I, I decided that you needed uh, some you need some sort of arc in a book, as you know. You know, you can either tell the story from the beginning to the end, or use some, sort of, some sort of logic. And with regard to leadership an arc in the life of leaders that we can, and as uh, I was calling in this book, and it's been called elsewhere. The inner journey that you start as a leader is very similar to the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell writes about, and that is in the Campbell version, a young prince is in his palace and he hears that there's a young damsel in another castle away who's who's locked in by by some sort of dragon and the young prince decides to go rescue her, and he makes that hero's journey, facing all sorts of adversity at time, is, and has to struggle with with the dragon. Eventually, slays the dragon, frees the girl, brings her back. That is the hero's journey, and what in leadership, that's what the, the journey that a person is on. That you start off sort of in your own place, but then you realize you have to leave home to accomplish something, and you and you go out and you rub up against the world on your outer journey, and that's when you really test it. About whether you you know whether you can really handle leadership or not. It's hard. It's hard work, and it's very dangerous. And, and you need courage and as well as character.
0: Your subtitle is "How Great Leaders Are Made." Yes. What role does finding your true north, for example, play?
1: Well, uh, leaders, I, I think, I think perhaps more precisely, could say they they're 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 not born as leaders but they're they are made, but they're really self-made. You have to do a lot of this work yourself. Uh, and having the right kind of true north, a set of values and beliefs by which you want to guide your life, things that you want to embrace in your own life, the, the, those, those values and those principles become your true north. Uh, and if you can, you want to stick to your true north as much as possible. There are often temptations to desert your true north. Uh, to do in somebody else or to act in a, and to behave in a way that would bring appropriate normally, but you can become overly oppressive. Uh, I mean, let me give you an example of, of why it's important, a true north, and to have that inner journey before you have the outer journey. And, and the argument, my argument is that you first, and it's widely believed, that you first have to have self-understanding and then you have to have self-mastery. And I worked early on um, for Richard Nixon, Uh, in the White House. Uh, I was coming out of Naval Service and went directly in for a year and stayed three. Nixon was one one of the finest, I think probably the best strategist I've ever met, save Henry Kissinger. Nixon saw that if you split the Chinese and the Russians apart, we could divide and conquer and win the Cold War. Uh, He was essentially correct on. Had that been the only thing to Richard Nixon, he of course would have been a decent, a good president, a fairly good president. But, He had demons inside him from early on in his life and he had never learned to control them. And eventually they brought him down. You know, when he was interviewed by the British journalist, David Frost, and Frost asked him, Mr. President, what happened? Why Watergate? And and Nixon said, I gave my enemies a sword. And then they ran me through pretty well captured what happened.
0: When you were a white house advisor to those four presidents, what was a typical day like?
1: Ferociously demanding. And uh, that's why usually um, it was sort of a rule of thumb when I went in, that people burn out after about two years. And so you can, you can give it hard to a couple, of two years here. You know, as if your, your iPhone is going to be ringing a lot. Your, all your other electronic devices are going to be ringing a lot. You're going to be working on the weekends. You won't see your kids. You're, it'll put strains on your marriage. It, it has a lot of hardships that go with it. That once you get past the glamour, they'll work you pretty hard. The glamour initially can be very uh, rewarding. Over time, you get your rewards from actually trying to get good things done. And if you can, that, that makes a big difference. Uh, but it, there were they were demanding days. Uh, and one of the reasons I think that some care ought to be exercised about who runs for presidency and how old our president should be? I think we need to look at that with some care because some of these jobs, the high power jobs, are extreme. They demand a real sense of judgment, keen judgment. You have to have energy, you have to have vision, you have to have a long runway ahead of you in life. And we're increasingly moving toward a having people the gerontocracy sort of running things. And I think I think we need to be questioning that.
0: You say the millennials and Gen Zers born between 1982 and 2009 are changing the face of leadership in many ways. How so?
1: Well, I I think that, uh, and I think this is a good thing, that uh, I I think we've reached the stage for millennials um, and Gen, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we've reached the stage. For um, baby boomers who came in, you know, who's, who were born just after the war, obviously, um, and I think that they there have been some really, really good people who are baby boomers, and, and but but as a whole, there's been a sense of disappointment about that generation, and the, and there are others now knocking on the door. Uh, I, I think our first our first stop in looking for new leaders, as I think we should be. Uh, should be with Generation X, actually, and that's the group of people born between 1965 and 1980, and they they tend to be sandwiched between Baby Boomers and Millennials. The other group of people that I think deserve a lot of credit and and I think uh, encapsulate the hope of the future are the uh, people of color, especially especially Black women, uh, whom I think have taken the high ground, high moral ground in the country and are doing really good things. But I do celebrate the fact that they're in the arena that they're trying hard to change things change the direction of the country
0: what's your advice for those 20somethings reading your book
1: well if you uh, my, my, my hope is that you you'll spend time doing it I think if you want a quick introduction to it there's some takeaways in the back maybe 20 uh, takeaways that you that would be useful to read sort of an executive summary if you would like uh, and you take take a sample of that uh, and and then go back and start the book. Um, and try to pick up some of the stories. They're they're intentionally written in a lot of stories of leaders, past and present, um, that people could learn from, but also keeps it just, I don't want to, I don't want a book that's a hard slot. I want a book that's inviting, that, that's enjoyable to read, that, you know, that has a certain pace to it. It doesn't get bogged down, doesn't get down in the weeds but tries to give us a flavor and represents the diversity of the country. We worked, we worked hard to make sure that women and people of a different, a different color, different backgrounds are included, that they are included in this compendium of, of people I think have taught us a lot about leadership and in many cases have changed our lives for the better.
0: Well, thank you. My guest is David Gergen, author of Hearts Touched with Fire, published by Simon & Schuster. This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk.
1: Thank you, Diana. It was was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You did a good job.